layers under the stick. Ultimately, really under yeah, the yeah. stick. It's really under the. It's almost unnecessary. I feel. You know what the word is? They expect you to be a privileged person, to act like a privileged person. Could you define a little bit more about that and essentially okay. talk about it? So, you're expected to come from a very well-connected background. Okay. And that's a privilege. Yes, yeah. most definitely. You're expected to look a certain way. Yes. And that certain way is very expensive. Yes. To look. Yeah. Hey, bitch. Hey, bitch. You're now listening to Hey, bitch with Yasmin Arisa and Pravin Nair. Stream today on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. See you on the show. Bitch. Hey, bitch. Good afternoon, everybody. When you're going to be listening to this. It's evening. It's like evening right now. And we've been basically prepping this episode. I'm just going to start off by introducing our guest for the week. Um, She'll take over right now. Hi, I'm Phil. What do I do? Okay, mm, let me segue <laughs> back into it. So when you're going to be hearing this episode, it'll be on Saturday at 4 p.m. Hopefully everything goes well. It will, fingers crossed. My name is Pravin. Um, I'm joined today by Phil Wu, a friend of mine who started her job on the same day as I did. So anyway, we started working at the same time, on the same day, actually. Um, Phil, why don't you introduce yourself and how old you are and what you do and what you've been essentially just get, let's get through it. So who are you? Who is Phyllis Wu? Phil Wu. I am a writer. Um, I write about everything, basically, about beauty, culture, self, mm-hmm. but mainly about fashion. I'm a big fashion geek. Uh, I'm 22 years old this year. I'm a 22? Scorpio. Yeah. Okay, but are you turning 23 or you're like 22? I'm, twi- I'm turning 22. Okay, okay. And refresh my memory. When is um Scorpio season again? November. So it's going to take a while before I reach it. Okay, so you're just... I'm 21. Yeah, you've been a baby for a really long time. Yes. But um, you have an entire deck of work beneath you I mean as in like in your rapport basically like your if people were to look at your resume it would be essentially chock full I would I would say so pretty average it's enough no let's not downplay it are you comfortable enough to talk about like your past experiences and what you do before you started writing professionally yeah okay so I've always wanted to write growing up like it's always been my thing but I'm the type of person who wants to dabble in everything Fair. I'm a multi-hackman you're like a multi-dimensional multi-disciplinary yeah, all-rounder Fair. so um I started out um as a graphic design intern and that was basically just like a hobby okay <laughs> like it was just like an opportunity for me to learn how to use softwares so after that, I kind of did a bit of designing and a lot, a bit of like production work um, for clothes. Okay. And then after that, I started writing. Okay. And um, from what I've known from our previous conversations, we've talked about your ability to use software and how you essentially learned it on the fly. Um, why don't you take us through that a little okay, bit? Okay. So when I took MathCom, um for my diploma okay and basically they didn't teach me anything 
of substance basically yeah, yeah i didn't know how to use the they were during graphic design class they were teaching us how to use canva Jesus that's how Christ. bad it was Jesus. so i mean not to shit on canva i love canva i love canva like it's totally fine to use canva but i'm paying for an education like a higher education yeah. and i should receive that education <laughs> fair yeah so after that, for my internship, I was like, I really need to learn these software. It's just like, it's a skill. Yeah. Especially in a creative industry, it's a skill that you, it's a big bonus. Yeah, have. definitely. Yeah. So going in, I didn't know how to, be, I didn't know how to use anything. But yeah. during my interview, I was like, yeah, you know how to use like Illustrator and stuff, but <laughs> I didn't. So I basically just learned on the job and I learned how to use Illustrator, Photoshop, and uh, Premiere Pro within like a week. And you were basically just like going as full steam yeah. ahead as possible. And yeah. what what avenues were you using to basically learn to all, learn all the uh, all um, of these? I'm swallowing my words, Jesus. So the thing is, I have ADD, so it's okay. really hard for me to just watch a video and just learn everything at one go. Okay. So for me, it's really a trial and error kind of thing. Okay. So when I'm doing something, I don't know how to do it. I'll learn how to do that specific thing. Okay. Instead of just learning how to use the entire software. You know, so software. it's just basically building block after building yeah, block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you learn as you go, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And what, um, would you like to add on anything else before I move on? No. Okay. So what was that experience for you like? Like um, being in an, um, like interning and learning on the fly. How would you regard that experience for yourself? I'll say it was pretty fun. Okay. Because especially with ADD, with ADHD in yeah. general, we really get into things that we enjoy. Yeah, like you fixate on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like a, it's like a hyper fixation for months. So it was really fun. It was like a, it was like a side quest. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I thoroughly respect that. Yeah. I, it didn't feel like work yeah yeah it was just like a side quest amazing um and just to give context you are diagnosed with ADD yes okay just um before the k-pop stands and the like you know woke warriors come into the comment section Phil is diagnosed she's on medication she's medicated yeah but uh yeah um Let's talk about something that I really want to pick your brain on. And I was recently talking to my friend about it. Um, it's actually really interesting about how jobs right now, especially, are expecting you to be very multidimensional in all the yeah. things that you do. And there's also the added layer of being aesthetically pleasing, visually pleasing mm -hmm. to look at, where you have to like have a certain following of people yeah. on like socials and like essentially be an influencer who's capable of photoshop editing yeah. after effects lightroom like you know sound engineering essentially what i'm doing in this podcast is i am doing everything like multilaterally at the same time not good at it but side quest we try we move yep. and so i really want to hear your thoughts on that because mm -hmm. sorry like not to interrupt you but to be fair, mm -hmm. my time writing has also involved doing some like minor editing mm -hmm. work and it's not as thorough as I wanted it to be, but I'm also thankful for the opportunity. But how do you feel about that? So the thing about the creative industry is that I feel like anywhere you go, they would have that expectation from you okay. that you're, you're supposed to pick up skills that you're not even professionally meant to have like 
with your career choice. Yeah. It's just like a bonus point to have to like, you know, compete with your competitors. You know, yeah. To be better, to be higher, easier, you know? Yeah. But to, I believe that is needed to an extent. Yeah. Because right now, I feel like the industry has a very rigid template of who they expect this person, like who they hire to be. Yeah. Like they have to fit into this really, really rigid mold. Yeah. 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 And I feel like it's unrealistic. Honestly. Ultimately, really unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. It's really unrealistic. It's almost unnecessary, I feel. You know what the word is? They expect you to be a privileged person, to act like a privileged person. Could you define a little bit more about that and essentially okay. talk about it? So you're expected to come from a very well-connected background. Okay. And that's a privilege. Yes, yes, most definitely. You're expected to look a certain way. Yes. And that certain way is very expensive. Yes. To look. Yes. And education. Absolutely. A gateway. Yeah. Education, especially for fashion and art mm -hmm. and any creative field, is more so connection building and... um there's another word for it basically just like going to mixers and shit like that and just like finding people to like connect to and as opposed to like actually doing the work mm -hmm. I feel but yeah uh, go on like yeah so you you have to look like a privileged person basically and not everyone can do that you know it's, yeah it's very exclusive and a very prejudiced industry I dare yeah. say so myself mm -hmm. like everything is gatekeeped as well oh yeah and opportunities oh my god don't even get me started on the opportunities like like I don't even know where to begin so um I like to talk about myself and basically segue into what you're like saying essentially I don't have a degree in writing or any form of um professional background of that sort I just decided from a really young age that I wanted to become a writer and I just went along with it and said, I want to become a writer and that's where I am today. Um, I think writing is so multidimensional, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I don't think I should be expected to be doing um, like many dimensions of writing. So for example, my time in the advertising industry also required me to do editing work or um, creative direction and the sort. And I think that comes to a certain extent, but to have full creative control over it and then be held responsible for it when you're still a junior mm -hmm. in a learning position. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that expectation for me. You're expected to be, to act like a senior, basically. Like, yeah. But you're just starting out. Yeah, and you're not given, like, an opportunity to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's also a, a lot of my bereavement when it comes to working in fashion also like and to funnel it down even further fashion writing fashion publications etc cetera, etc cetera. um yeah i think there's a, just a lot of like emotions when it comes to that and i really not necessarily can talk a lot about it either because truth be told and i'm being very frank and honest right now the fear of being blacklisted from the industry is very big oh do you want to explore that a little bit yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, why don't you start? So, if you're in the industry or you know a thing or two about the industry, it's not exactly the best industry to be in. Like, yeah. people are really, really struggling. And yes. those who aren't are at the top and they're very likely privileged. Yes. And 
people who are at the bottom, you can't really talk about it. Yeah. You can only talk about it within your circle. Where the bottom feeders can only yeah, yeah, communicate yeah. with the bottom you feeders. Share your misery with people, but yeah. you don't actually get to do anything about it. Yes. Because if you even if you do say something about it to like a higher up or whatever, they'll just tell you that's just how the industry is. The industry is hard. So fucking miserable. I know. And it's it's like everyone is aware how hard the industry is, but everyone's just like, suck it up. This fucking sucks, man. Yeah. Like, what is the point of all of that? Like, I've been so I've been freelancing for the last couple of months. And the reality of freelancing is that, you know, a lot of my friends can attest to it. And a number of my friends are freelancing in the publication industry. And it sucks balls you're not paid properly yeah. even internationally you're not paid properly your work is not regarded at all if you don't have connections or like you know if you don't know these people in like in person and you're reaching out remotely to like publications in the united states or in the uk or in germany or in australia as, as extent can go like you are not considered as an a first option or yeah. even as an option to begin with it's yeah. the pitching process is grueling it's gruesome and it's exhausting like just for them to like you know be like okay I'll consider the pitch and then like string you along for weeks and months only for them to say yeah. no at the end like actually what is the point for all of that just say no and let's yeah. move on actually it, it's fucking exhausting you, like there's just a lot that's going on that shouldn't be going on and you can't speak about it like you can't you really can't do anything about it and if you do, you're gonna get blacklisted. You you're not yeah. gonna be like and people in the industry they know each other. Everyone knows each other. Exactly. They talk. So if you're blacklisted, you're fucked. Like properly fucked. And there's varying degrees to being blacklisted as well. I feel like one way of getting blacklisted is literally being blackballed and like you know like being on a list where like you're not invited to fashion events you're not invited into close circles because you anymore. said something yeah or you're too honest about a collection like that happens on a global scale like yeah. um the state of fashion which is essentially what this entire episode is going to be about is about how people cannot truly voice their opinions and when i say that for example i saw a tiktok a while back and I will reference a lot of TikToks in this um in this podcast, and I'm gonna be playing a short a short three minute clip, haha, uh, of what an uh what a creator basically said about fashion. But this is from another individual who freelances for Vogue and um other major publications in the U.S. And what she was saying is that like, and I'm saying this very loosely, and I'm quoting it. Nobody nobody hold me to any varying degree of what I'm saying, but. She was saying that the Dior resort collection from a couple of seasons ago did not have proper substance. And Dior has a tendency to use a lot of um, cultural um, nuances mm -hmm. in their collections, but they're not necessarily properly crediting yeah. them. And you cannot, as a fashion writer or a journalist, write about things like this because then Dior doesn't want to work with you yeah. anymore. And because Dior doesn't want to work with you anymore, other big na name brands don't want to work with you anymore and on the pretense that maybe you might be a little bit too honest about the creation. And the thing is, I get it to a certain extent because who am I? I'm not a designer at the end of the day. And I, and I think that criticism is necessary for growth. Like, I'm a firm believer in bullying, okay? Like, I think people should be bullied. Like, I mean, like, great example of that is Doja Cat and her wig. Like... Look at that wig. That wig got yeah, fixed. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? 
Like, and I think that's... Bullying works sometimes. Yeah, and be nice about the bullying as well. It's just that, like, people are so egotistical in this industry and they don't want to hear any feedback. And I get that. I'm a Leo. My ego is so easily bruised. Like, I cannot hear feedback from some of my closest friends sometimes Mm -hmm. because it can be so critical. But it is through that criticism that you learn how to maybe channel and, like, like, look at things differently from different perspectives because that's essentially what creating is all about like you know you don't necessarily create it from your point of view creating is more of a holistic community based approach where you're coming together and like forming ideas you're not creating for yourself yeah you're I mean I might rebut that and say like at the end of the day okay I'm gonna quote a really favorite song of mine Lana Del Rey's ninth studio album did you know that there's a tunnel under Ocean Boulevard in the Judas Smith interlude he says I used to think that I was preaching mostly about you when in reality I was preaching mostly about me yeah I know what you mean yeah, yeah, yeah. because when like when I wrote that review on the play for come home and eat that's how I started the, the the entire thing because at the end of the day when I write it is mostly about the self yeah, yeah, it yeah. is very a personal thing and it's truly a perspective and I feel like a lot of people should understand that mm-hmm. where in writing you're you're coming from a perspective whether you relate to it or not is something yeah. else. Mm-hmm. It's truly subjective. And then anyway, circling back to being blackballed in the industry or blacklisted, another way is like you have your peers just going around shit talking about you to other higher ups in like, you know, other high places, be it in, you know, within like um, creative directors, um, PR, um, brand owners, labels. You're very iffy about conversations like that like talking about other people yeah it's very behind your back kind of thing yeah and you don't know it till it like they really don't tell you and it just comes through the pipeline i've heard so yeah, much yeah. shit said about me through the grapevine yeah, you really have to like put the puzzle together and just be like fuck there something's going on yeah no i've had my writing questions so many times and Truthfully, that really broke me down. I think last year was like one of the lowest periods of my life where I was just going through the most monumental change and I was talking to you about it. I think even till this year and you were like, I don't know what the universe has in store for you, but like, it seems like your cards are not right. But like, you know, shit will figure itself out. That's what you said. Like, you know, like persevere, push, persist. But do you think you've been blacklisted from the industry? I don't think I've been blacklisted per se. I don't know. Honestly, I don't really know. I feel like I have a very out there person. I have a very odd personality. Why don't you talk a little bit about it? I have a very Scorpio personality. Okay, I need more details. I'm very blunt. Okay. And I tend to say things very impulsively. Like, it just comes out. (laughs) But I don't think you're lying about it. You know what I mean? I'm a very brutally honest person. Yeah. And when you need to be, yeah, when, well, or when provoked, (laughs) or when provoked, maybe in general, yeah, yeah. And I understand that most people don't appreciate that, like, it's not even just in the industry, it's just in general. So, I don't know because people do talk behind, like, yeah, yeah, people don't tell you up front, so I wouldn't know, honestly, same what how they perceive me, but that's just how I feel. how I assume yeah I think for me um I think it's because a lot of the times I have a face 
Yeah, like <laughs> I have my face. And I feel like a lot of people just look at my face and then they're just like, oh, he comes off standoffish. Yeah, when yeah, in yeah. reality, girl, that's just my fucking face. No. <laughs> that's just my face. Like, I why are you mean. assuming? Like, I get what you mean. Yeah. Like, I, I know friends who are like have been in similar boats where they're just like perceived immediately off the bat of how they look, of their aura and energy. When in reality, I'm not coming off any way. I'm actually very personable and yeah. nice. And like, I try to be as kind as possible. Yeah. When, like, I, I'm, like, perceived in, like, weird ways. Yeah. So I, I try to be as nice as possible, but I don't think I'm met with that kind of kindness in return as well. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, I, I, think, I think I've been slowly blackballed from the industry where, yeah. I think it's also, like, um, the more and more far removed I become from, like, the global fashion scene mm-hmm. uh, within publications, I become more and more forgotten I think truly like it, it, it I mean it's two ends of the scale right and I say this in like a very libertarian Libra-esque fashion like what a fuck ass <laughs> like what an opinion to be like coming forward with this but basically like on one end it's because people don't believe I have the capacity to do yeah. what I believe I can do like they don't believe I have the capacity we just to- that by the way like we should talk more about that later we'll circle back to yeah, it we'll circle back to it but also on the other end it's like because I'm not intrinsically involved in it on like right now as as we're speaking like I don't write about fashion as much as I want to anymore because like the moment I stepped foot into the industry I was just like Jesus Christ this is so capitalistic oh yeah like this is so run by it's such a money-making machine because the reason why I love clothes or why I love shoes and bags is because it's an extension of the hand yeah yeah, and the extension of the hand is the extension of the brain and the heart and all of that is truly like to create Yeah, yeah and when I write about fashion pieces and like, especially for like, like, you know, like perspectives and opinions, it's not uh, necessarily received well Mm -hmm. or has not been received well because it has no angle for like making money. And I think that's, I think that was like my biggest bereavement, like why I was really sad for a really long time. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. And I just became like so muted and like just so uninspired by the Mm -hmm. industry because every day it was a new something new something new and that that applies same that I mean the same concept applies to when I was working in advertising as well it was always something fucking new and like I would never have time to like like what I was expected to do was to always create tip-top perfect items only for my boss to tell me that's not what I want that's not what it should be written and then no proper guidance is actually given to like you know stand my way also like overworking oh we need to we'll circle back okay what was it that we were supposed to circle back to um people telling us that we're not good enough okay tell me your experiences so and in detail like i want to hear you speak okay without without getting too into detail but i want to hear like your experiences and why you feel this way and why almost everybody in fashion feels this way all right, so everyone in the industry knows how hard it is to survive in the industry. Like, everyone is aware of how grueling it is, yeah. how taxing it is. And it it takes a toll on everyone yeah. who who is in the industry. But, like, I don't think it's anyone's position to tell someone, like, oh, if you can't tolerate, like, this amount of workload, if you can't tolerate, like, this environment is very toxic industry very elitist 
very exclusive, then you maybe it's just not made for you. It's like who gets to tell someone who is like the industry? worthy? Yeah. Like who made you king? Who died and made you king? You're not Anna Wintour, and even Anna Wintour shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, no, exactly that. Like it's it's the impossible standards. Like I get it. Work has to be great. Yeah. But I don't think I see that either, to be fair. And yeah, I've been told time and time again, I don't belong in spaces. Mm -hmm. But the thing about me is that no matter how many times I'm punched down, I'm like a cockroach, I guess. <laughs> no, I'm like, the worst way as possible. I'm a fucking cockroach. Like, I don't give a fuck. I'm still going to be here after you nuke me. As you should. As you should. I demand a space. I'm a minority in every way, shape, and form. And I won't be typecasted and like you know I don't want to be the diversity hire mm -hmm. I don't want to be like on, at the table because I have a different shade of skin color yeah like you know I want to be at the table because my opinions matter and I feel like I have substance and I have opinions yeah and they might be multi like a single dimension at a given time but I think everybody has the capacity to grow and learn and nothing is ever set in stone you know like yeah I used to think for example, that like Fendi, for example, was like Fendi and Chanel ass brands. But like the way I look at it now, it's just like, like I used to give so much criticism to designers, but in reality, I'm not in the studio at the yeah. end of the day. I'm not curating any of these clothes. I don't know how to sew. I try to, but I'm not good at it. I don't know how to curate clothes. I might not have an entire atelier at like my disposal, but at the same time, like, like, I mean, what I meant to say is like, I don't have an entire atelier at my disposal, but I don't have fashion knowledge enough to make clothes. Yeah. So who am I to say anything about them? Mm -hmm. I appreciate pieces and I appreciate looks. Like, you know, collections might not be as strong as I, I want them to be or expect them to be. Like Jacquemus' latest collection at Versailles. I don't think it was like as substantial as his previous collections. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, Jacquemus as a designer is tapping into a different arena where he wants to explore dif different silhouettes, which are very like, you know, not stylized to his brand name. And I think that's really great. I think that's necessary when you yeah. pivot away from what you're used to, to learn. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I feel about being worthy enough to be in fashion. And I, did you listen to a Brenda Hashtags podcast with those two no, guys? No, I didn't. But you did see the snippet about how she basically got, and if I'm not mistaken, blacklisted from Bottega because... Shut up. Girl, yeah. So basically during COVID, they were having a party in Berlin, uh -huh. Berlin Soho House. Uh -huh. And she got banned from Soho House. That is so fucking funny to me. Like she got banned from Soho House because she called them out by saying, oh my God, like what is wrong with you people? People are dying during COVID and like you're having fashion parties with like, rappers and about the industry like they don't they don't welcome honesty they don't welcome criticism they don't want it unless they want you to tell them what they want to hear Ugh. it's just a very complex very very rigid very unrealistic industry and as much as that is, yeah, I still want to be in it. I respect that. But that's the thing. That's how they, how the industry thrives. Yeah, of people like us, who can't, who, quote unquote, aren't meant to be in the industry, but really want to be in the industry and are willing to put in the passion and the effort and the time. Yeah, 
into it for like scraps. <laughs> oh my God, we are literally paid scraps. Yeah. I remember a time when I was at an event for a really big fashion brand. Um, the only giveaway I will give is that it's insignia as a triangle. Go figure. It's to one of two brands. I was at the party. I was trying on hats and shit. Like influencers were there. I had a really nice time with a celebrity whose name I will not mention, who I hope joins me on a podcast soon. But she was so sweet. Like we were just talking and just like making friends. Like it was like the best time I ever had. But one of the PR people came up to me and was like, oh, are you going to buy anything? And I was like, girl, like, let's be real here. Like, I mean, even with the media discount, like I can't afford it. And she's like, well, no writers can really afford anything from this brand. Anyway. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Wait, sorry. I- I'm not done. And then like, I kind of like, I kind of like went off at her like unknowingly. I was like, so are you in said brand that you're repping right now? And she's like, no, I can't afford it either. And I was like, just eyeing her the, the, the entire no, time. People are very upfront about it, about how, like, you're broke and I'm broke, but we're still, you know, like, yeah. they still have, like, the standoffish, like, the, the ego. Yeah, like, because I'm associated with said brand, like, yeah. I'm a rung above the ladder from you. Like, what's your experience? Um, It's not really that similar. It's just, like, about, it's similar in the sense that people are, they have no filter when it comes to judging you based on what you can afford. Jesus Christ. So like, I was, I attended this event, um, this pop-up event for a, um, how do I call it? Like a retail? Okay. Um, and like, they were asked, they complimented my outfit. Okay. And they asked me what shoes I'm wearing. And, oh, yeah, a couple months before that, I was gifted a pair of Steve Madden shoes. I didn't pay for it. Okay. But why? Why? What does it matter if I did? But also, well, a shoe is a shoe. I'm yeah, gonna use it. Like, whatever, right? And I mean, I know why it would be looked down on to buy Steve Madden's. Yeah. But at but the end of the day, it's just a shoe. It's just a fucking shoe. Also, I get that a lot of um commercial designers. I wouldn't say rip off, take inspiration of like other big name brands. But then again, it's about accessibility. Yeah. What do you mean you want to buy fashion and you cannot afford it, but then you're also maintaining like classist, yeah. um, classist like uh, school of thoughts where like if I can afford it, nobody can afford it. And if you buy a dupe, like you're fucked. Okay. Back so, to the story. Back to the story. And... <laughs> When I told them it was from they were from Steve Madden, they straight up like laughed at each other. They were like making fun of me in front of me. They were like giggling to each other in front of me. You cannot be serious. Yeah. Well, they were talking to me. I was just standing there very awkwardly, just like, what, like, what do I say? Like, what should I do? So I just, I just told them like I didn't buy it. And they were like, oh no, it's okay. Jesus. They were like trying to play it off. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, well, that's disheartening. Yeah. Um, and, uh... So people are just... Like, I know you can't afford fucking Manolo's either. Yeah, <laughs> or like, an Isemiyake, yeah, please, like, please. Maybe you can, maybe you can. But why does it matter? That's not, like... That's not your prerogative, though. Like, yeah. like it shouldn't matter to you, like, what people... like. The whole point of fashion is that clothes 
to me, I feel are an art form. Yes. And they're an extension exactly. of the body. So how you look good in clothes is your prerogative. Why are you taking your insecurities, projecting that onto me with your classist bullshit, and then saying, ha ha ha, poor people's shoes, <laughs> fucking losers. Okay, the thing about, wait, hold on, what was I going to say? It's okay, take your time. Let me. Okay. I guess, like, right now, while you're thinking, mm-hmm. I'll go on a break and just, like, talk a little bit and insert the three-minute clip about the state of the fashion industry and whether you should or should not essentially join it. So if you want to work in the fashion industry, here are three things I have to warn you. So if you are working for even luxury brand, just like any fashion brand, you'll get paid nothing compared to finance or tech. Like, same type of job, same position. If you're getting paid, like, 100k in tech, you're probably getting get 50k in fashion. Just because you're working in fashion, they're capitalizing on your love for fashion. And you get perks for shopping, like, discount, like, 90% off, like, $100 for, like, $10,000 jacket. But it just, like, depends on what you want. And at the same time, your most of the fashion job is in major city, like Paris, New York, which is extremely expensive, and you're making nothing. At the same time, you're working with the most luxurious and the richest people in the world. So a lot of people working in fashion is Nepal baby. Like, if your family is not rich rich, just like think about it before you actually decide to work in fashion. And second, if you're a male model, don't. Don't be a male model, like, unless, like, you know what you're getting yourself into. Because you're, the uh, male modeling is like one of the very few industries in the world that boys make less than girls. Like, just like the fact you're basically making like one-tenth of what girls make. If like the highest model getting paid 200 millions a year and the top male model get paid only a few million. It sounds amazing, but like, you have to be the top, top, top. Like, like the number one. And then... And then if you want to start your own fashion brand, you have to think about it. You are running a business. Like 20% is about design and the other 80% is about manufacturing, uh, PR, like social media, like production, blah, 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 blah. It's like, how do you run the business and how do you run the team? So like, think about that. So I'm not saying do not be in the fashion industry. I love it. Like, don't get me wrong. I love it. I'm suffering through it, but I still love it. Well, that's how they, you know, catch you. But just like know what are you getting yourself into before you're like, oh my God, glamorous fashion. Bye. Thank you for listening to that little clip. Anyway, Phil's come back with her thoughts. Okay. Here's what she has to say. So I'm not saying this to sound like um, I know it all, but I feel like being in the, in the industry now and meeting a lot of people in this, in the industry, I feel like us, yeah, we don't really see a lot of people who appreciate fashion, yes, as an art form, yes. Rather, they see it as like a lifestyle, like, and they see fashion as an access to a particular lifestyle and, and a community, they, yeah, and they want a piece of it. 
So, oh my God, you know, should, yeah, like, let's talk about this quiet luxury nonsense that's going on. Like, I yes. really want to get into it because it's so fucking annoying, but um, we'll talk about it in a little bit. So you've just recently left your position as a writer at, um, at a magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you been doing lately? And what are some of your plans? Because you just mentioned that you still want to be a part of the industry. So do you want to touch base a little bit on that? So right now, I'm not doing anything because... I worked for a little over a year and it was it was a really interesting experience. It was a very knowledge educational experience. Yeah. Like I did learn a lot about Same. the industry going Same. into it, but like ultimately it was very grueling. I felt I I didn't I don't really know how to put this. I just feel like I wasn't welcomed as I am. As the but, person that I am, I wasn't well. Like from the industry at large. Yeah, basically. like I don't, I, I felt like I didn't really fit in. Okay. Yeah. You know, so, I used to like for events because I used to feel like I wasn't like in the spaces. Like I didn't feel, felt like I belonged. I basically used to drink my way through events. Oh yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. That's what I do. Just basically like cut that's the edge. The alcohol is served for, uh-huh. for people like us. Yeah. <laughs> and just like mingle and be like, <laughs> Yeah. you know oh, that's fucked like and I yeah. and it's not like I don't like drinking or like drinking per se but I don't like reaching out for said like said stuff as a crutch for anything yeah. like I've always had like issues with like because I do believe like in whatever way shape or form like I do have like maybe a mental illness undiagnosed mm-hmm. and I feel like I've had issues in the past and I still do with like substances like alcohol like reliance yeah and like you know just to drown out my feelings like I'm gonna be very candid about it like smoking like you know completely starving myself because I don't have appetite to eat because of like other issues so I'm just drinking all day and smoking all day and like having one square meal a day and like like and having to relive that in like whatever way shape or form was actually very debilitating for oh me. it was degrading yeah it's like it I'm degrading I just felt so shitty, shitty about myself small person like I'm tapping into my worst things just to feel like I belong like so I get it I get that uh, like again reverting to what Brenda hashtag was saying basically she said like a lot of um designers are like you know, they do blow a lot, like Coke, basically, or like other heavy drugs because they need to cope. Sorry, I just dropped something. So basically, they just need to cope, like, with a lot of things around them. And I get it. It can be so, my God. Ah, I hate it. So um, back to you wanting to still being in the fashion industry. Yeah. So right now, I'm not doing anything. And I don't know. I don't. Honestly, I'm still trying to figure out why I still want to be in the industry despite how... That's some tea, by the way. ASMR! <laughs> despite um, my thoughts on it, I think it's just like... I feel like fashion as an art form just speaks to me as a person. Same. And I want to be in the industry because I want to like connect with what I love doing exactly on like a more deeper a deeper level like on, on a very yeah. Like, yeah rudimentary yeah but I don't know not rudimentary sorry like to the bone 
Yeah. Think about like Taylor Russell eating Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, yeah, bones yeah, and all. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. eat me bones and all. Need yeah, need yeah. to art in every dimension. Bones everything. Like, yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, it's just a very very tricky thing to get into. It's a very. It's also like very rose colored glasses way of looking at yeah, looking yeah, at things. Yeah, yeah. Like idealized versions of fashion. Mm -hmm. I was recently talking to a friend about why I love creating so much. And I'm pretty much like you in a sense where um, I love art in every shape and form and I want to do everything, right? And yeah. I've been recently, as of late, today, I was labeled as a, a like American way of thinking. So like capitalist way of thinking because I was asked, what do I want? And I said, I want everything. And I don't think that's a wrong answer because when it comes to creating, I want to do everything. Yeah. And when it comes to fashion, at the end of the day, I want to dig so far deep where mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I'm in a factory somewhere in Bhutan yeah. where I'm like, you know, sourcing wool because I want to do a cable knit. Yeah. And I want a rare sheep yeah. that can like, give me all you know, that. Everything in a sense that like a, in a materialistic sense, it's more like a film fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have to talk about that because I do have been thinking a lot about it. And I feel like at the end of the day, that is derivative of the ego mm -hmm. to create you see because for me I, I want to create because I want to give to the world and that's inherently related to the ego because I want my stuff my creations to persevere that's why I started writing poetry in the first place my poetry account is a dedication to my love for my partner mm -hmm. and it will persist long after we are both gone and I'm I, I've always wanted to do that I found that very romantic mm -hmm. and for me a lot of the ways that I create is truly under rose-colored glasses and a lot of people might call me an idealist or like you know a dreamer I love the idea of dreaming because at the end of the day I get to do what I want and I'm so fulfilled like I'm about to do a production I mean sorry an editorial in the coming weeks and months and I I have zero budget but I'm gonna do it anyway because I want to do it yeah I mean that's what life is all about yeah taking the lead and like doing what you, you want love. yeah I think that's, yeah, I think that's very admirable for you. It's a little, it's a... Of you, sorry. It's a little bit of a devotional way of living because the reality is you can't have everything at the end of the day. Yeah. But that mindset of I'm going to have it anyways yeah. is what keeps you going. Literally it. Yeah. I feel like the delusional mindset, like a lot of articles have come up, come out about it. Books have been written about it. I'm going to talk about Otessa Moshbeck's My Year of Rest and Relaxation, which, Girl. have you read it? <laughs> no, but I know it's a... Yeah, so basically, like, you know, she sleeps for a year because she cannot deal with life anymore. And we're seeing more and more depictions of women doing this in mm -hmm. media. So in Fleabag, um, Marianne and Normal People. Lady Bird. Lady Bird. Well, to a certain extent, but Broy Deschanel on YouTube, she's a really good, like, essayist, right? A video essayist. Really big brain philosophical thinker. And she's saying, basically, why we're seeing this is because capitalism is so entrenched in our, like, day-to-day -day lives that women have no capacity to do what they want to do anymore. Oh, okay. So they're shutting off yeah. essentially what you're doing right now, basically, like, expunging yourself from the industry because like it's impossible and you're remaining delusional so it's like two ends of the spectrum right yeah. like you you're taking yourself away from the narrative right now but then eventually you're still remaining like you're persisting that delusional thinking where I'm just like I'm gonna do it and I'm not saying delusions are bad because 
I mean, think of it as dreams, right? Yeah. Like you act on it and then you bring it into reality. I mean, every dream starts out as a delusion. Yeah, like it's not real anyway. Yeah. It's just a thought. And then like how you give a, like that thought some power is actually very important. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's really admirable of you to be doing this. I I I commend such behavior. I I sometimes I feel so defeated and. I don't know, just being around people like you and my my other peers in the industry who are really good friends of mine. I think it's very like necessary to have as well because my God, the industry will beat you down like a fucking go. Like, you know, those like whack-a-mole games. Oh yeah. That's what the industry is like. Yeah. And I'm just like, um, yeah, all like, the time. perpetually, I'm, like, I'm not even going down. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's so fucked. Hi everybody, this is Pravin here from Hey Bitch, and we'd just like to say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, I just want to go off the bat and say that this is a two-parter, and the other part will be coming out on Wednesday at 4pm as well. Um, And then next week we're going to be having an episode with another guest that I really, really want to talk to and just pick their brain on all the issues and all the things that's happening in the world around us. Anyway, I hope you have a good Saturday and the rest of the week, um, depending on when you're listening to this. And I hope you enjoy the podcast and let us know what else you like to hear and stay tuned for part two. Have a good day. Bye, bitch.